craft that kind of expectation of one another as well. So, so, so you didn't pull it out and say, rid of the crap? <laughs> Tom, I wish I would have now. Welcome back, everyone, to our Almost Perfect podcast. We've been away for a little while. We've been hit and miss, but that doesn't mean that we've hit or missed a whole lot. I don't know what we've been doing, but we haven't been podcasting, but we've still been doing stuff. So it's good to be back. Glad you are tuning in. I am John, and we are here with our good friend, Tom. Tom, how are you this morning? I'm well, John. And uh, as you can see, I'm in my backyard today. I've got my umbrella up. It's uh, it's nice here. Um but I will eventually get back to the office sometime today. Usually it's in the morning. Today I'm going in the afternoon. So, okay. I've been meaning to buy one of those umbrellas for outside. We bought a picnic table. Um, and sometimes it's just, it's too hot without, a, without an umbrella covering. So I got to get one of those next. But uh, anyway, uh, Wade and Brad, that's their names, right? The other two guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, They're not they, here. They're stuck. They bailed in the on us. They bailed. That's right. Yeah, they're doing some ministry thing with the uh, the district. So. Yeah, that's what they say. Whatever. But uh, we'll we'll excuse them. Everyone's allowed one excuse here and there. So, Tom, um, anything in the news? Anything interesting about uh, the world that has uh, caught your attention the last few weeks? <laughs> I'm going. I, I was prepared just to say I actually read the link. So, uh, uh, you know, now you're throwing something, you know, curveball at me. And I'm going, actually, the only thing, the only, and and, it, and I know this has been in the news, uh, what's happening in India. And we have a, a good friend who is, um, he's from India. He had a, has a, a home in New York, uh, but right now he's in India. And, uh, and we've certainly been, praying for, for severe in his family but also uh he's you know he's a person of some influence in the india uh i think his brother uh is an has uh served as an ambassador in different places in the world and and so there's some connections there and and so he's doing what he can to help people uh get the vaccine get vaccinated or if they're sick get the the care that they that they have and so, uh, and it's interesting, uh, you know, one thing is to read about what's happening in another place. Another is to be in contact with someone who's in the middle of that. And, and that's the, the situation with our friend. And, you know, we're beginning to come out of that. Um, our church is, is moving toward uh, mass op optional. Uh, I, what about you guys? Uh, we kept the uh, we asked them to wear their mask uh, and, you know we haven't taken the tape off the pews yet but uh, yeah it kind of feels like we might be you know closer to something yeah. different hopefully soon but yeah that stuff you see about what's happening in India just read the numbers and see the pictures it, it is heartbreaking man to, to think about you know, what's happening I was reading an article this morning that said we the world has vaccinated one billion people we reached that. Uh, landmark. Um, so that's kind of hopeful, but at the same time, you know, there's still so much more work uh, there is to do around the world. So, yeah. And, and, and as hard as it was getting the vaccine, vaccine out, at least the, uh, you know, the, uh, all the things that were said, 
let's say back uh, in the fall uh, or late last summer and, and all that, that we're, you know, we've been uh, fortunate or blessed uh, to, to actually get the vaccine, uh, vaccines, vaccine out. Uh, you know, it, it's not as soon as people wanted it, but on the other hand, it was sooner than a lot of places, including India. Sure. Well, then now we're at a position where you know, there's <laughs> vaccines that are just sitting around, right? The appointments that have gone down and people around here have kind of, it's got a kind of plateaued the number of people who are getting vaccinated right now. So hopefully that'll, that'll change uh, in a little bit as well. Did you know, let's see, what did I come across here? I won't go through everything because we only have time. The Empire State Building, Tom, celebrated its 90th anniversary over the weekend. I'm sure you've been there, right? Yeah, I actually have. It's, it was pretty interesting. Uh, uh, Ellen and I stayed, and uh, we stayed in, in New York on our 20th anniversary, and uh, and that was we're coming up on a 38, so that it's hard to believe it's been 18 years, and and we had a great time in uh, in New York. At, but uh, you know, we were intentional about getting to the uh, Empire State Building, and I, uh, yeah, we went at night, so you, you know, I mean, you're seeing all of uh, New York City lit up. So it's pretty cool. So it's 90 years old. 90 years old. Yeah, pretty impressed. Let's see, what yeah. else? Well, I, I I knew her when she was only seventy two. <laughs> Very good. Yes, yes. Now the good thing also is another story here that we are getting close to the end of something tragic. Um, the great ketchup shortage of twenty twenty one has this impacted your life, Tom? John, I, I appreciate the fact that I, I, everything you throw is pretty much a curveball, and I, I can't hit it anyway. I'm a one-hit guy. That's all I got. Yeah, man. yeah. Uh, no, I, I didn't even know there was a, a shortage of ketchup. So the great ketchup shortage of 2021, which has led to out-of-stocks of mostly ketchup packets, as restaurants oh. remove germ-encrusted condiment dispensers due to the pandemic, there is an end of end in sight. Um, so apparently, Heinz ketchup—they were leading the, leading the way uh, through all this. But apparently, yes, there was a ketchup shortage. Um, I don't know that I knew that either. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I didn't know that, man. If I'd have known that sooner, maybe we would have set up a counter because I think we have a whole bunch of leftovers in our drawers. That's bad. They need soy sauce, uh, you know, Chicken hot mustard. Sauce, I mean, everything, man. Was it horsey sauce? I mean, we got all of that there. Uh, but the good news is, yes, it's looking like uh, we should be okay with ketchup. Um, and this article, it's kind of funny. It's talked about how Heinz, despite all that, is actually doing pretty well for itself. Um, they had some, some, some growth over there. But um, anyway, let that be a word of encouragement to you. Just because ketchup is in danger doesn't mean you can't grow. There's a sermon in there, Tom. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Speaking of sermons, Tom, how many more <laughs> yeah. left? I was going to say, I'll research it for you, John. I'll be your ghost, holy ghost writer. Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. How many more so, you got, Tom? Six. I've got six left. Six and uh, and the next one, Mother's Day, is actually, I'm going to interview somebody. Um, it's uh, National uh, Foster uh, Care 
foster care month or mm-hmm. foster shut children's month i you know and uh and so on mother's day we're going to be addressing it now i don't know about you uh uh john but uh mother's day and i've talked to other pastors who, who who've been uncomfortable with having to preach on mother's day and try to fit into that uh into that uh holiday and uh and i know that that the uh, that people have a abusive fathers fathers who deal with alcoholism and and and, and uh and yet in, in you know in in uh our family you know uh and I, my mom uh, uh eventually she was uh you know just uh she was able to to escape that that uh that dark hole of alcoholism but during my middle school years uh there were some very uh very uh, embarrassing moments because of mom's uh, drinking and uh, and you know I the word we used all the time and I believed it at the time because I just didn't understand what was happening is that mom's sick today mm-hmm. so so that for me personally that's always been that's hard. Uh, and, 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 and but I also want to say uh, you know at some point, uh, again, mom was able to uh, get, get, get released from that, uh, uh, that once that was behind her, it was behind her. And, uh, and I can remember her becoming one of my best friends, uh, as I got older. So into that. No, I'm not a, um, what I call them holiday preacher. Um, I don't, I don't sort of craft worship services around Mother's Day or Father's Day or Fourth of July or anything else. Um, yeah. Now we, you know, I think we, 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 we sort of pray for, or, you know, in the context of our worship of God, give thanks to God for mothers on Mother's Day, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not uh, a Mother's Day sermon, Father's Day sermon preacher. I just, I, I don't go there. Um, I, that's not my intent. Um, well, and and I think that uh, you know, talking to other other pastors, that they've said the same thing specifically about Mother's Day, Father's Day is uh, we acknowledge it, we you know, we celebrate it, uh, celebrate you know about Veterans Day and 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 all of that, but we don't uh, you know they they don't I don't build a sermon around yeah. the holiday. Yeah, uh, there's only so many times you can preach uh, Proverbs 31. So. <laughs> that's right uh, but if you were a proverbs 31 woman you'd be able to <laughs> early in the morning that's right that's right and my my husband would be proud of me <laughs> very good yeah so tom has six or maybe five and a half sermons left before he is retired from full-time pastoral ministry congratulations tom uh, the rest of us will hold things down for you, but uh, we're also talking about this. And Tom, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know, man. Some people have a hard time listening to preachers preach, period. I'm kind of wondering, I'm rethinking this conversation. How much more difficult is it going to be to listen to preachers talk about preaching? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure somebody's tuning in because they want to know. They want to know, uh, right? How, how do you... How in the world do you uh, develop your sermons? You know, I will say in reading that article, I, I thought it was you know, talking about uh, the, the three things that you need to do. Uh, and this person was talking about, you know, exegeting 
the text, uh, exegeting the, the audience or congregation, and then exegeting the, uh, uh, your own heart. And I, and I thought that was really, really, uh, you know, those three little uh, simple statements really uh, resonated with me. I'm going, that's good. That's, that's very practical. But Tom, tell Tom, me, what does the word exegete mean? Tell me, man. But first, though, let's, uh, um, there's a, out of Religion News Service last week, this article came out, the article that Tom's talking about. And the title of the article is, why some preachers rely on Holy Ghost writers and other pulpit helps. Um, now, there are a lot of pulpit helps. Let me acknowledge that. Uh, I, I think that takes all kinds of forms, whether it's commentaries, whether it's, you know, listening to, 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 to podcasts or other sermons even. You know, I think pulpit helps can go a long way. But this idea of Holy Ghost writing really just kind of kind of got to me. Um, and uh, I wanted to kind of talk about that because it's not just preacher talk. I think this has a lot of um, impact for our churches, for those people who listen to our sermons, who listen to their churches' uh, messages. And so I kind of want to talk about that a little bit to give uh, everybody at, at church a chance to, to think about what is the point of a sermon, right? What are we, what are we listening for? What do we expect to hear? Uh, what are we hoping to hear even uh, in our sermons? And, and where does Holy Ghost writing stand uh, in the midst of all that? And, you know, we need to make sure this full disclosure, Tom has his five and a half sermons left, and he has offered to be my Holy Ghost writer when he hangs up his, his uh, preaching pencil and everything else. So yeah, we'll see how that I, I, I did say, uh, y'all, uh, who, who wants dips on my, me being their ghost writer? So John, because you and I are the only ones that showed up today, uh, you you're you're at the front of the line, so it's just a half out half off fifty percent discount. So. Very good. And I told Tom that you know, depending on how many amen, we'll have an amen bonus. So if he can get three or four amens per sermon, then we'll give him a signing bonus. That'll be my goodness. If I can get that in, in the course of a year out of my congregation, you know, no. <laughs> you could retire. <laughs> no, no, yeah, my congregation is good and responsive, but uh, I don't know about you. Amen is not especially a part of the our United Methodist tradition over at Asbury. Now, people and that. <laughs> <laughs> they do uh, do respond, and I remember somebody yesterday. Uh, you know, I said something, and 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 Susie just jumped right in there and and responded, "Oh yeah," and I'm going, "That's right." <laughs> yeah. amen. But it wasn't an amen. Okay, well we'll take what we can get these days, right? Yeah. All right. So, um, Holy Ghost writing. Uh, so let me read the the sub subtext here because I think it kind of leads into part of answering the question why some preachers rely, not even just use, but rely on Holy yeah. Ghost writers. To keep up with the demand for high quality sermons, preachers often turn to ghost writers and researchers without telling their congregation. At least one expert calls that cheating. So Tom, Holy Ghost writing, a good thing or a bad thing? Well, you know, um, in, the, in the context of that, um, of that uh, article, there's one of the things that was brought out is that you know that uh, they they uh, use the Holy Ghost writer without giving 
credit to the Holy Ghost writer. And um, and I, you know, I would say that that uh, you know, if, if you're going to be if you're going to do it, I I don't have any problem with doing it because I've done it myself a few times. Uh, I know during Advent we'll often look at um, at least some some basic structure of of uh, Sunday to Sunday over the course of four or five Sundays. And, and you know, uh, I, I know Adam Hamilton and, and Church of the Resurrection provides a lot of materials like that. And and I have used him as a, you know, last last Sunday. Or, uh, you know, he's, he's addressed uh, questions that people are asking. I go, those are really good questions. And so I've, I've uh, uh, you know, taken his basic outline or structure uh, and then, then restructured it uh, according to kind of my personality and and some of you know some of the the you know the inner inner uh, the exchange between scripture uh, that outline my life experience and put them all together. I, uh, so, but at the same time, when I've done that, I've always said this is really strongly influenced by so and so. Uh, or uh, we're doing this um, uh, that has been provided through such and such. Now, almost always the the message I preach is is mine in in the sense of uh, I you know I insert again my personalities, my stories, uh, my understanding of scripture. That just I mean think about it this way: uh, Have you ever uh, followed uh, what is it? Uh, I'm getting old because I can't believe that you know the the uh, worship scripture plan the uh, uh the lectionary lectionary I'm going liturgy no litany no lectionary the lectionary you know uh, the lectionary is a is a guideline that that influences uh, and I've used that as well when I don't know what to preach I just um, take that and 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 then you know it gets me into passages or scriptures I might not naturally get into. Um, but again, the lectionary just simply gives you scriptures and some of those also couple some, um, you know, call to worship and things like that, that would be helpful. So, and, and see all of that, Eric, to me, those are pulpit helps, right? And I was thinking of the lectionary as you're talking about it, because yeah. it is, I mean, for the most part, it's thematic, right? There was thought put into how these texts are read from week to week and how they relate to each other, you know, most of the church seasons. And, and those are, those are tools that we use. You know, when I, um, sometime in December, I take about two weeks and I plan the next year's um, slate of sermons. I go through the entire year and the, really the only way that I'm able to do that in such a short amount of time is like using the lectionary. Because yeah. it is a guide about you know where we are in this every year and uh, in the season throughout the year, and, and it's a helpful tool. Um, and yeah. still, all those things, even though you're talking about like you know um, stuff from um, Hamilton and things like that, those are still tools. This idea of having someone else write your sermon material and you just preach it to me, uh, that's 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 harmful, I think, to the body of Christ because. I don't know. And this is where I think, you know, the, the regular person in the pew listening, this is helpful because you may not even realize what it is you want to or need to hear from your pastor's sermons, right? Yeah. 
And what we need to hear is the truth of God spoken to us who are gathered, right? And there is something to say to the larger church. There is something to say to, you know, the world even. But you know, God is speaking to us right here and right now as the body of Christ that we gathered here. And if, you know, we're having somebody else outside of us um, writing something for us, then the sermon, uh, to me, seems like it's taken on another function um, other than us listening to the voice of God speaking to us. This is probably the biggest issue I have with this. Well, you know, yeah, again, I kind of got mixed emotions for uh, the one thing is I do have a problem with um, not, you know, someone presenting a message and I think it's his or her message when it really is something that somebody else has written and, um, and they've, you know, they've uh, followed up by presenting it uh, basically just it's a script they memorized and and uh, regurgitated um, on the other hand you know if it, you know, there's messages that that I've heard in the structure and it really impacted me and and uh, and so out of that you know uh, you know I'm going this is a message that needs to be heard by others and and today I happen to be the one that that this message is coming through uh, you know, I, I, I I know there's someone that I often listen to uh, whose podcast I listen to uh, and it, it's at emotionallyhealthy.org and it's about discipleship uh, Pete Scazzaro and and one of the things he emphasizes over and over again is letting a basically letting a message uh, marinate in your soul mm -hmm. until it is really something that's coming out of you know that it's you you're not just you're not just preaching a sermon you're living that and then presenting that truth as well and and uh, that's why you know I was telling you before we started uh, before you introduce this segment is. Um, I, you know, I, I felt like I connected well uh, on yesterday, which uh, Sunday uh, in my message, but part of that is that 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 message was was uh, marinating uh, um, a good solid 10 days and I was living that that message. Um, and and the those who are viewing may be hearing this for the first time but uh, a, a, uh, a week ago, Thursday, my father, uh, I, ha I sat with my father in the emergency room and, and then at 1220 Sunday morning, uh, got the call that he would, he had died. Um, uh, you know, I, I didn't get to, I, my brother and I met in the parking lot. We were about 10 minutes uh, late. Uh, we got you know the nurse called immediately we responded immediately but by the time we got there he had already passed away but it was you know i had prepared my message on wednesday on thursday i'm sitting in the in the uh emergency room with my dad and the words that i had worked on and gone through over and over again on wednesday uh suddenly they were coming to life in that situation and so by by yesterday like I said, I'd been living with those words for a 10 full days. And then that takes on a, a deeper sense of connection that you have, not only with those words, but also in the communication of the ideas that's in there, right? There's a 
the strong yeah. connection that you have with that 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 is i think nurtures a connection between what other what other people hear uh, through that as well and that's again that's why again you know if i were to take somebody else's sermon and just kind of try to make it my own that i, I don't know I don't think you have that connection. I don't think you can do this, uh, that, um, that kind of, that kind of thing uh, for the, the gathered body. And so part of what we talk about then is, you know, what do we expect from a sermon, right? If, if I go, even when I go, if I'm on vacation and I go to somebody else's church somewhere out of town or whatever, you know, I'm going to listen to a sermon. Uh, what am I there to listen for? Tom, what should people be listening for in the sermons that they hear week in and week out? Well, you know, again, I'm thinking in in a broader context. Um, you know, YouTube is full of TED uh, TED talks, mm -hmm. and uh, and and they're excellent. Uh, you know, I you know, obviously I haven't heard all of them because there must be uh, well over a thousand TED talks. Uh, but you know, why do I tune in? Well, because it's it's dealing with a life issue that I'm interested in, and I want to. You know, say I want to grow or, or deepen or, or mature in. Uh, and one of the ones I re listened to re recently was Brene uh, Brown's uh, talk on TEDx Houston talk uh, on vulnerability, and and uh, and and that's you know essential in building trust and uh, making connection is is being able to open yourself up and allow vulnerability uh, to be a part of that now why was i tuning into that well because uh, i want to deepen uh, uh, my relationship my connection with other people and and, and the same thing is as a as a pastor i you know i want to do one of two things uh, 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 and and possibly both, but uh, connect people in a deeper way with God, or connect people uh, in a deeper way with one another. And then, you know, it, it really boils down to that. Um, that's why I, I, you know, I I find it interesting when we talk about what yeah, I can't even remember, but uh, exactly how it's put, put, but actually presenting a really good talk uh you know i'm going i, I don't know uh, that i always need a really good entertaining talk what i need is one that makes me uh, go deeper in my relationship with god and with others and, and I think you're talking about vulnerability i think that's a part of that uh because again the article talks about you know there's this competition that a lot of preachers feel because you have all these professional preachers on youtube and man their message sounds wow right yeah yeah never mind that you know most of those guys and gals you know they don't have the day in and you know day out responsibilities of you know, local pastors like you and i might have they have staff for all that kind of stuff and so they can spend 25 30 hours a week you know writing something and, and maybe they are gifted as well and that just adds to it and and these kinds of things and so you know a, a regular pastor's like man how, how can i do that right and uh, TED Talks is, you know, the same way. How do how can I be like this kind of powerful presenter? And at the same time, you know, maybe our congregation don't need that. You know, they need a vulnerable preacher, a preacher who'd be willing to say, you know what, that that wasn't a like it was it was good, it was meaty, but maybe it wasn't all that like fascinating to listen to. But if you listen, then it was everything it needed. But I mean, that's kind of scary, <laughs> right? 
Yeah, yeah. And the preacher who's willing to do that. Yeah, it, it, I, I think a, a part of that is that um, it, it's being willing to walk uh, with with God and with people in an in a honest, authentic way. I, I know that that that's one of the things that I'm hearing about uh, the younger generations. They're not looking for you know excellence in preaching. What they're looking for is on authenticity, and uh, and you know there's some of the some of the things that really hit you uh, that are memorable. And it, 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 it may, you may not remember anything else, but there's one story where you know the you know the person who's speaking lets you know lets you behind the curtain to see the emotion and passion and all of that and you remember that because of that that connection uh that that moment of vulnerability so i'm, I'm reading oh. the very last talking about a, a pastor who uh was talking about or maybe this is a different one but was worried about he had been in a church for a while and you know, worried about the church listening to the same stories, the same oh, yeah, yeah. stories yeah. over and over. Well, exactly what you just said, Tom, if, if we're walking with our people, walking with our community, even, I mean, those stories, um, they don't change, but people remember those, they connect to those. They're not just my story. It's not just, let me tell you about the time I went to the grocery store and, you know, whatever else you know, our stories, right? With what's happening in our life together. And, and as we move along as a congregation, as a church family, we get more stories and we build on those stories as well. So, I, you know, I think sometimes, yeah, preacher, let me tell you about my life, right? Uh, and I try not to be the, the preacher says, let me tell you what happened to me in seminary all the time, right? I don't, because it's not about just me, my life, my story. It's, you know, what, what stories do we have that we can build on? right together because again to me that's part of listening for god's voice in in a sermon right that we feel like that as we walk with god and in prayer and everything else that this is a something that god has put on our hearts and i say that and i'm thinking uh, when i was in seminary tom <laughs> preaching class <laughs> there was one part that just it was one thing a professor said that just i mean just kind of just let the burden off and I could just live freely after that. Uh, and it was really kind of off the cuff. Um, he said something to the effect of you are never going to preach something that hasn't been preached in 2000 years of preaching. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, that comment, there is nothing new under the sun. I, yeah. And so with that in mind, you know, I don't need to try to reinvent all this and try to make it, you know, fascinating. It is, it's fascinating in and of itself. Right. Um, yeah. I can just tell that story. Um, you know, that we'll find ways to to connect. We've got to be willing to to do that. Use the word vulnerable. Uh, maybe have some not so stellar sermons in between before that one or two or three really touches the heart of some people, and and be willing to to have that right and uh, spend more time. You know, working on our on our communion with God and and, and with other people and 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 watching how that. How that takes fruit in our sermons. But yeah. I also think, and I think, I don't know if it, I identified it so much, but in the article, but the idea is part of the um, tension that preachers feel is we got to put on that, we got to put out this great product because people are coming to listen to it and they want, you know, their lives to be enriched, right? Or they want to hear, you know, something good that they can take with them and, you know, 
share on Facebook or something else, right? And so some of this is also, um, some of the responsibility is on the congregation itself, right? To say, no, we don't want to, I don't want to hear a, a pep talk, right? I don't want to hear a, a motivational speech. I want to hear the gospel. And the gospel changes our lives and the gospel gives us direction and the gospel shows us uh, the will of God. And I, I need to hear that. We need to hear that. And so there has to be a willingness of the congregation to, to learn how to tell, you know, what is, you know, what could I take and, and make a motivational speech? And then what is actually a sermon preached to the gathered body of Christ? And maybe there's some parallels, right? But, you know, what is a sermon that we believe is from God? And, and what is something else that maybe is good, but belongs somewhere else? And what's the difference? I think, I think the congregation needs to learn how to do that as well. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think of uh, Paul uh, in his in his writings, and I'm trying to think of exactly how it, uh, uh, you know, how he put it, but it basically was, I have determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I think about at some point, uh, I don't need a, a pep rally, you know, a pep talk to, to get me through the week. I, it's, it's not my spiritual vitamins that I'm taking once, you know, once a week so that I have the energy to live life through the, through the week. But at some point, I, I need to be troubled. Mm. You know, I need a message that troubles me. Why? Because I need to be knocked out of my comfort. Uh, uh, in those places where I'm comfortable uh, uh, without price. You know what I mean is that I can live, I can live this life and Jesus doesn't have to be a part of it uh, as opposed to to live the crucified life. I need Jesus. I need to embrace it. I need to hold on to him. And, uh, and, and, and so at some, on some level, I need to hear something that uh, basically knocks uh knocks me off my off my donkey <laughs> and, you know barring from uh from scripture where balaam is uh is on his way to do something he shouldn't be doing and he and he gets knocked off of his donkey as he's traveling that so uh, but you know at, at, at some time at, at, well the whole of scripture goes back and forth between comforting and making uncomfortable uh, between between crucifixion and resurrection. You know those things are 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 the whole gospel it involves both crucifixion and resurrection. And so I need to be made uncomfortable so that I can find comfort in Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's it, right? That's a good word because we we want sometimes. Or maybe maybe it's on us too. Where we've given the congregation the expectation that you know you can come on Sunday and I'm gonna give you a nicely wrapped message that'll make you feel good. Um, I'm not gonna challenge you. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything you don't want to do. I'm just gonna tell you that Jesus loves you, which is true. Yeah. But, you know, but we're gonna we're gonna forget what he said about discipleship. <laughs> we're gonna forget what he said about you know forgiveness. We're gonna forget how all of this 
um, has an impact on how we live and with ourselves and with each other. Um, but as long as you can leave and say, and tell me I had a good sermon, that's, that's what I'm going to give you week in and week out. Maybe we've set that expectation as well. And so um, maybe there's something, maybe the, the preacher's job is to make people uncomfortable so they can seek the comfort of God, but also the congregation's job is to uh, let us be uncomfortable <laughs> so that, you know, we can preach a, a non, uh, we can preach a sermon that would get very little views on YouTube, right? And we'd be okay with that. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and, and you know, it's so funny. Is uh, you know, I, I, again, I was listening to Pete Scazzaro last week, and one of the, one of the things that you know he's talking about popularity, and and that's one of the, um, I guess, temptation. It's definitely one of the temptations that Jesus experienced in the wilderness. Really? You know, go up on the uh, uh, you know the pinnacle of the temple and throw yourself down and let the do something spectacular so everybody can see you. And it's like, you know, uh, no, not gonna do that. I'm not gonna, because that's testing uh, God. And I don't need to be popular with people. I need to be popular uh, and connected to, to God, you know, my my God, my father. Um, and, and, and I know that uh, it's easy to say these things, but I also know that, that uh, you know, that desire to, please people uh we I, I know people in general have it but pastors uh, especially have it we want to do uh, we we make certain decisions because we have somebody in mind who'll be happy if we do that i mean i've done that and you know uh many times in the past year uh made a decision because i was thinking of this will really be make this person happy uh, and, 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 you know, when I've made those decisions, they've usually led to, to uh, problems and have been the wrong decision. Um, so when you say that, I go, yeah, we, uh, if, if we're aiming for YouTube popularity, we definitely probably will preach a different message. I think that's, that's it. That's, uh, yeah, that is the danger. And uh, because then the agenda changes. It's no longer, you know, kingdom priority for our congregations or for ourselves. It's, you know, how can I get the most views? How can I get the most uh, comments? How can I get people to tell me that they liked it? How can I get people to listen? <laughs> Let's be real. How can I get people to give, right? That kind of oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I'm going to go out and limb and say Jesus didn't use Holy Ghost writers. Um, he said what he felt people needed to hear as he walked with them as he walked with God as well. And that should be our job as preachers too, to walk with our congregation hand in hand. Uh, my first Sunday here at Kelsey, almost six years ago, <laughs> I hit a, I, I hit, put a, a toilet plunger behind the pulpit. Uh, somebody there saw it and, you know, somebody on the choir saw it and was worried, like, oh my gosh, this new preacher is going to think we're crazy. What's going on? Get this. And so I was getting ready to you know, to, to use it uh, in my sermon. I said, wait a minute, where's my, where's my plunger, right? So I preached with a plunger. And my point was, I'm not going to ask you to do anything I'm not willing to do, right? Because uh, I don't know how to do that, but we need to do this together. We need to walk together. And so as a congregation, you know, I'm walking with you, but you're also walking with me. And this message yeah. that we hear is what God is speaking to us. So let's, let's craft that kind of expectation of one another. 
as well. So, so, so you didn't pull it out and say, rid of the crap. <laughs> oh, man. Tom, I wish I would have now. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, uh, yeah, I hated to hate because I knew you were, you were so serious, but I couldn't help it. <laughs> I think I did ask, like, is this the new one or not? I don't remember. So anyway. So. <laughs> is the new one or the used one? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tom. Then, then you licked it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy. We just, we did go into the crapper, and I and I took us there. I will admit that. Yeah, you know, funny things happen when you have five and a half more sermons to preach, right? You're, yeah, you're, yeah. You'll go anywhere, so we better stop... <laughs> Yeah. There was some good stuff in today, and uh, and you'll have to wade through a lot to get to it, but it's there. It's, it's there. there. All right, Tom, I appreciate uh, all your thoughts. That, that's good. I think uh, I think that's something good for our people to hear. So I appreciate uh, you chiming in. Sorry, the other guys couldn't be here. It's their loss, right? They're gonna listen to this and be like, "Man, I'm so I'm so bummed we missed it." But it's our loss. I would have loved to hear Wade and Brad uh, uh, add their their insight. And I, you know, no joke, uh, Wade, uh, Brad. If you happen to watch this later, uh, really appreciate what uh, y'all bring to the table, and look forward to connecting again. Very good. All right, and thank you for listening or watching. However, you are again are connected with the Almost Perfect podcast. We. We, it's, it's good for us to know that you're listening. It's helpful. It's, uh, that's, that's why we started doing this, so that we can connect together. So if you ever have a question or something going on that you want to give to us that we can try to find a Christ-like response to, let us know. Send us an email. Send us a message on Facebook. Text one of us. Um, let us know. We, we'd love to have a chance to talk about it. So, Tom, it was the Empire State's birthday this weekend. Party well. Enjoy it. And go get as much ketchup as you can. I thank you, John. Thanks for alerting me to the uh, ketchup shortage. I just did not know. I'm here for you, Tom. Yeah, thanks. All right, God be with you. And with you.